0: Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Maybe maybe you're new. If you're newer to City View, welcome. Good morning. It's nice to see you. Nice to have you here. Uh, my name is Jeremiah. I'm the lead pastor here at City View Church. Um, but I, I've, I've told you the past couple weeks, you know, my family and I, we went on a road trip um, over the summer. And... I and there was this moment on a road trip where everything was focused on this one person, this one thing. Have you ever had something where everything in life sort of all of a sudden revolves around one? And it's like no matter where you want to go, it's like, it's, it, have you ever had those people, it's like, you want to find out where you want to eat. And like, so where do you want to go to eat? Well, I really don't care. Well, what do you, and they're like, what do you feel like? Oh, Mexican? Like, I'm not really feeling Mexican. Like, okay, but you just said you don't care. But I just, I don't feel like Mexican. Okay. Um, What about Italian? Mm, I'm not really feeling Italian. But I really don't care. I don't care where we go. So you go, have you ever had that where Life revolves around one person, one thing, one situation. So that happened on our trip. And not only did it affect our trip, it made us late. It made us hot. It made us miserable. It ruined an entire day of our trip. Have you ever had it where just one person, one thing can revolve around your trip? And that sort of is what happened to us. And it was all over this one thing. You see, the person, it wasn't really a person. It was a thing, and it's called the throttle body. I don't know if you ever have heard of a throttle body, but a throttle body is a, a part that your car, your, your automobile needs, which I did not know this thing existed in my car until it broke. And some of you, maybe you're mechanics, and you're looking at me going, how do you not know? That's such an important part. Okay, I know now. I didn't know four weeks ago. I had no idea that the throttle body allowed the oxygen and fuel make sure to do what it's supposed to do but it decided in the middle of my trip I don't want to work anymore and all of a sudden in the middle of my trip this part became a very important part all of a sudden in the middle of our trip after 1300 miles this part decided I'm not going to help you I don't want to do what I want to do I, I want to do my own thing I never get attention it's never about me. You're always changing out the wheels. The wheels look nice. Your tires look nice. Everybody's like, look at those. Nobody ever says, look at how nice the throttle body is. The throttle body, he, he, he said, man, everybody thinks, man, your radio, your stereo sounds so good. The speakers sound good. Everything looks good. Nobody says, your throttle body sounds good. No, everybody says, man, is that the new model? Is that the 2000? What, what body style is that? Nobody says, is that a new throttle body you have? I want some attention now. Have you ever had that happen in your life? Somebody just wants attention? See, our ego is like that, our ego craves attention. Our ego craves people to focus and look at it and, 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 and see whether it is a positive or not positive, but whether it is more of an inflated kind of ego thing where you want everybody's attention all the time because you're just, you know, those prideful people that it's just, it's in them. And they, they just, they want it. And they walk around all pompous and blown up and puffed up and arrogant and prideful. You know, that kind of pride. That's the easy kind of pride to identify, The other kind of pride that's hard to identify is the pride where we constantly are beating ourselves up. Somebody says, man, that was really good what you did today. And you're like, no, it wasn't. No, that was terrible. And they're like, no, no, you really did a good job. And what they want you to do is they want you to puff themselves up. They don't want to puff themselves up themselves. You know that kind of pride? It's sort of an inverted kind of pride where it's not really, they don't want you to think they're prideful, but in the end, they really are prideful, and it's all about themselves. It's this manipulated kind of pride. It's this manipulated kind of arrogance. But you see, it's so unhealthy. And it's in, the, see, the thing is, our pride, our arrogance, our ego, it's in all of us. The ego can be sneaky. It can come across as an innocent way of protecting itself, and it can quickly turn into an evil black hole that consumes everything around it, can't it? Our ego, the ego is no, it's not a respecter of persons. It's not just those who walk high and mighty, but it's also those who think low as me. The ego is always creeping in the dark places in life, waiting to get its talons into us. The ego. But your ego will make you think you are nobody. Your ego will beat you up over and over and over again. The ego is such an evil thing. And if we don't keep an eye on our ego, if we don't keep it in check, it will soon take you out and it will steal everything you care about in life. So this morning what we're going to be looking at is how do we reset our ego? How do we reset it? And kill it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for today. God, I thank you that you, Lord, that you loved us. Jesus, that you gave up everything for us. That you humbled yourself, even to death on a cross. So that we might have new life in you. And God, I ask that you'd speak to us and encourage us this morning. No matter where we're at on this faith journey. Jesus, I pray that we would hear from you today in a special way. That God, that you would speak to your people no matter where they're at church. Maybe they're at Wellspring today or Palm Valley or CCV or here at City View. God, speak to your people in Jesus' name. Amen. The ego. It's something that we really don't like talking about. I've never preached a whole sermon on the ego. Never in my life. I've preached... I've been preaching for, well, since I was 20, I'm 41, 21 years. I've never, ever, ever preached about the ego. I've talked about pride, but never just this angle that I'm looking at today. And the more I look at it, the more I'm like, wow, Jeremiah, you've got a lot of work. You can easily become a throttle body that just wants everybody to focus on you. How many of you knew what this part was as soon as I said throttle body? I'm proud of you. Good job. When you break down, you can fix it. We were stuck in the middle of Moss Bluff, Louisiana. Who's been to Moss Bluff, Louisiana? Nobody. Exactly. I think it has five mechanic shops. Four of them closed down because of COVID. They couldn't keep their business going. They closed down because of it. So we found one. One. Deep in the heart of Moss Ma- <laughs> Yeah. It was crazy. Moss Bluff. But I, as, the more I look at the ego, the more... I realized, man, I have got to keep this thing in check. The ego is something that none of us really want to talk about or really admit that we need to check it. It comes out in small ways. Our ego wants to draw attention to itself. It it comes across as, hey, look at me, or sometimes, woe is me. The ego craves to be fed and won't quit till it gets what it wants. The ego comes across in ways of being selfish, self-centered, and everything is always about me. It also comes across the ways of being negative, always speaking down about yourself. That's, that's the ego, too. That's pride. So when somebody's always doing that, always speaking down, that, that's the ego, and that's pride, too. It's an inverted, it's, it's like a deflated ego, but what it's wanting is it's wanting approval from other people to blow itself up. That, that's, that's the difference. That's how the ego works in all of us. It's a, it's a dangerous thing that we all have to be careful with it likes saying that you're no good at things so others might say you are it manipulates people to, to make them focus on you it's it's a very dangerous thing it's craving to be a, attended to so how do we reset the ego Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 12 as we do this series called The Beautiful Reset, where the first Sunday we talked about resetting our mind. Last Sunday we talked about resetting our identity. Today we're talking about resetting our ego. Next week we're talking about resetting our values and our priorities. We're looking at this through the book of Romans, Romans 12 specifically. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For through the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of him him or herself than he ought to think. But to think so as to have a sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body and individually members of one another. The New Living reads verse 3 like this, because of the privilege and the authority of God that God has given me, I give to each one of you a warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Now, this idea do not think you are better than you really are. It comes it's it's two ways, two ideas. One, not to think you are better, like I'm better than other people. That's one angle, that's one way that Paul wants us to understand it. But then also do not think you are better. Some people we think we're better than we are and then when we fail and we fall, we realized we set a standard we'll never reach up to, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. He says, do not, the warning, do not think you are any better. This is a trap, and it's waiting for each and every one of us. And the saddest thing about the ego is it's one of the ugliest black holes of the Christian church. So many times it meets us at the door. The ego meets you at judgment. You walk in, and maybe you have tattoos. I've got a few. And there's some places I walk in, I'll go in, and there's some places where I'll go and speak, and it's a different kind of congregation. They immediately, oh, I know I have to wear a long sleeve shirt because I know as soon as they see a tattoo, they immediately judge. you can you can have people judge you at the door just because of maybe how you dress. My son, if he were to let me do his hair like I, it's styled to be, he would have a full-on mohawk that goes all the way to the back. It is the coolest haircut ever. But let me tell you, some people will judge him as soon as they see him. And it's hair. Who cares? But can't the doors of a church be the most judgmental, ego, arrogant, prideful place as soon as you walk in where where you don't feel welcomed or loved? The heart of City View. Here's the heart of City View. Is we desire that this place would be known as the perfect place for imperfect people? Because I am imperfect. I'm so far from being perfect. I make plenty of mistakes. If I tallied them every day, I would live in disappointment and depression every single day of my life. If I tallied every single thing, I mess up every day. Because I do plenty all on my own. I get frustrated when I shouldn't be frustrated. I get not happy with my kids. I say things I shouldn't say. I think thoughts I shouldn't think. I do things I shouldn't do. But man, I don't live there because I know I'm imperfect and I know God loves me where I am. And Paul is trying to get our minds off of this idea that we're better. He says, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. He's trying to unravel our minds. The ego says, here's the problem with the ego and the the underlining problem with the ego is the ego says, I don't need you and I don't need you. The ego says, I don't need God and I don't need you. I'll figure life out on my own. That, that's what the ego does, and that's the biggest problem. The ego is all about trusting self. That's what the ego is. It's all about trusting self. It's the root of the ego. It's the root of, of the problem that we have here is with the ego. It's, it's I don't want to trust God because maybe, maybe God offended us. Maybe God hurt us. Maybe God didn't do something we wanted him to do. But we said, God, I can't trust you. And because people have let us down, because people have done things that we wish they wouldn't have, or whatever reason, then we say, I don't trust you. And then all of a sudden, the ego inside us builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, and and we don't want to love people. And then what happens is that trusting of ourself moves into what is called pride. It moves into this place of pride. Pride. As we trust only in ourselves, that, that pride grows and it grows and it grows. And, and we've got to understand, pride, is, it's not just the puffed up only talk about myself, like I am the best basketball player ever. Nobody gets better grades than me. That's one form of pride. But pride also is a negative way of talking about ourselves too. Pride is a way of puffing ourselves up. The, the word actually means, as Paul uses the word throughout Scripture, Paul is one of the guys who wrote many of these letters, these books in the Bible. And when Paul uses the word pride, it's, he uses it in a term of to literally mean to be overinflated, to be swollen, to be distended beyond its proper size. It brings to mind a rather painful image of an organ in the human body, an organ that is distended because so much air has been pumped into it, so much air that it is overinflated and ready to burst. It is swollen, inflamed, and extended past its proper size. That's our ego. Uh, there's this show called um, Dr. Pole that my wife and my son Joel like to watch. It's on, I don't even know, probably National Geographic, one of those shows. I, don't, I hate the show. It grosses me out. Um, I don't like to see half the things. I don't like to see any of the things that he has to deal with. I could never be a vet or a nurse or anybody that deals with blood. Just not my call. But in, in some of the episodes, there are these cows that their stomachs get so full of gas. And what they have to do is they have to cut like a little cross cut in the side of the cow. Some of you probably know exactly what it's called. Good. And, and what you have to do is you have to put like this... Incision that cuts all the way through the body of the cow and then you shove this like thing inside it, a valve, and it lets all the gas out of it. And every time they do this on the show, they say it smells putrid. I don't, first off, I, don't, I would never be there to do it. Second, I don't want to ever smell it, so therefore I will never be around it. But I'm guessing that's sort of what pride is like. Our pride is like an extend, uh, uh, an, an ego that has been extended beyond, past its sides. It's like this balloon. Our ego, little by little, gets blown up. This is what happens when we start trusting in ourselves. We start puffing ourselves up, little by little. Life becomes, it revolves around us, because what happens is pride turns into what is now self-righteousness. So the ego goes, I trust only in myself. Then it goes into pride. And then as your pride grows, it goes into a self-righteousness. Well, we think we set the rules and we think we set the guidelines. We give grace to who deserves it and to those that we think, need the grace that is given. We start setting standards. We start setting standards for ourselves. We're like, but I'm pretty good. And so with with our ego and with our pride and and with just our own self-righteousness, we start setting these standards. You need to live up according to this level of of how good a person is. And our ego blows up. Little by little, little by little, our ego gets puffed up. Little by little, our ego gets, gets extended. And then we set these guidelines and these rules. Have you ever set standards for your own life? And have you ever not met those standards? Anybody ever done that? And you, you beat yourself up for it. If, if you were, I was born in a Christian home. So I, have, I've, I've been, I feel like I've been a Christian my whole life. I, I haven't been. I've walked away. I've had those struggles with my walk with the Lord. But, but I grew up in a Christian home. And there are some things that were taught in my home which are good things. But as a kid, I took them totally wrong. Things like you need to read your Bible every day, and you know what? When you set these standards, you need to read your Bible, you need to pray, you need to act this way, you need to do these things. Now as a 41-year-old man looking back, I go, I want to do those things because I know that Jesus makes my life better, and he makes me better at life. But when it's put as a rule and a standard as a kid, then what you do is you're setting yourself up for failure every single day. Has anybody ever felt that pressure? You felt like you're set up for failure. you you were set up to, to be somebody and to do something that you can never meet. And that's what happens. And our ego gets inflated. It gets bigger and bigger because we set these standards. But how many of you have ever set standards too low for yourself? Has anybody ever done that? Have you ever set standards too low? And then how many of you, you you decide, I I could never live up here. I'm going to start living down here. And so you start doing things you know you shouldn't do. You start acting ways you know you shouldn't act. And you start living a life that you know you shouldn't live. You set a standard too low. And then what do you do there? You beat yourself up again, don't you? It's a lose, lose no matter what. Because the ego says, it's about me. And then what happens is when our ego is all about trusting in self, building up our pride, setting up self-righteousness. And what happens is we separate ourselves from God and from people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever allowed your ego to separate yourself from those that love you because you're unwilling to either admit that you're wrong or admit you need help? (laughs) That's what our ego does. It sets it. Puts in a separation separates us and here's what here's what the ego does our ego it leaves us empty it leaves you empty like a black hole that's taking everything around you our ego it leaves you in pain it leaves you in pain has your ego ever left you in pain or left those that you love in pain has has that ever happened to you because it's happened to me and her ego, it's, it's busy. It's, it's busy drawing attention to itself. It's busy drawing attention to itself. It's incredibly busy trying to fill the emptiness in its life, trying to, trying to be busy doing two things, boasting about itself. And it's so busy trying to compare to other people. Have have you guys ever had your ego do that? Being so busy, so busy trying to live a life that you can't. And then what happens with our ego, what happens with our ego is our ego becomes so fragile. Because this balloon, it has nothing that's holding it together. It has nothing that's going to help it become the balloon, the shape that it wants to be. It's just filled up with emptiness. And at any moment, it could pop. I know so many of you are so ready for that, Pop. You are bracing yourselves, but I got you. I was waiting till you let your guard down. That's what the ego does. You see, this is the same as our life. So many times, what you're left with when your ego erupts is you're left with the pieces of the mess of your ego. Has anybody ever done this with their ego on those that you love? I've done it to my wife because she's telling me one thing and I don't want to do whatever or say whatever or who knows what. It's just It's about Jeremiah and do it with my kids. Our ego blows up and the pieces are everywhere and we hurt those around us. If we are so busy building our life on the false truth that we can trust ourselves and the foundation we have built soon will fall. And it will blow up just like Because that's what happens. And then once you blow up, guess what? You get a new balloon. You get to blow that one up again and again and again, and then it pops. And you blow up another one again. See, life will continually give you balloons. There's no shortage of ways to fill your ego up. Pride will eat you alive, and you won't even realize it's happening. That is why God speaks so harshly against pride. He says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, God says, pride goes before destruction. That's what happens. Pride, it starts, and then what happens is death and destruction. Just like this part, this part, as if it were a real person, if the whole reason why it broke was because of arrogance and the ego and pride, it destructed, it broke because over time, it stops working, and it ruined the entire day of our trip. This is not the part. This is a brand new part. My part's already it's already fixed. But pride, pride grows before destruction. Proverbs sixteen five says, "Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination." It's disgusting. Proverbs eighteen twelve before the destruction of the heart, uh, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty or is prideful or is arrogant. But humility goes before honor. James 4, 6 says, he gives, he, he gives a greater grace, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. See how God speaks of pride and the ego? It, it disgusts him he hates it. Why does he hate it? Because that's where it all started. That's where sin and this whole mess started. It started with pride in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve are sitting there, and the serpent comes, and the serpent tells Eve, do you want to be more like God? And all of a sudden, in that pride, that arrogance, that wanting to be more like God, she says, yes. And then she hands it to Adam, and Adam just doesn't even, he, he just totally, it's really all his fault in the end. It's its its his fault. He says, yeah, I want to be more like God and he takes it. It's the pride that started the wanting to be more like God, not, not wanting to need God anymore, not wanting to need his help, not wanting to need his eye on your life and that's what started. That's why God hates pride so much because pride separates us from God. That pride of not wanting to admit we're wrong, that pride of not wanting to admit that we need help, that pride of not wanting to admit anything in life, that's what keeps us from God. That's what keeps us from Growing, that's what keeps us from having a life change. Paul says, verse 3 of chapter 12, Romans said that totally backwards for through the grace given to me, grace, that's the foundation. That's where everything can rest, and that's where everything can reset. A grace that is not deserved. A grace that's given not because you were good enough, you were strong enough, you had all the right answers, you did all the right things. It's a grace that was given because God loves you for you. The arrogant you, the egotistical you, the prideful you, the the beat up you, the, the hurt you, the broken you, everything about you, God loves. And it's because of that grace that he speaks this in Romans 12. He says, I can speak because I've been there, I've struggled with my pride, and I hate it. But grace, grace... Paul says in the earlier verse, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because to have this changed life, to have this beautiful reset in life, it starts, with, it starts with your heart when you give your life to Jesus. That's where it starts. It starts when you say, Jesus, I need you. And then Jesus starts to transform you. He transformed you from the inside out, and out not the outside in. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then Paul continues this idea of resetting our mind. Then in, in verse 3, he says, Now don't be, don't, be, he says, don't think. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think sober and a sound mind. Remember that your only part, this, this throttle body, this part is only one of I don't even know how many parts are in my vehicle. No clue. I'm sure I could find it somewhere. And I know it's probably helpful to someone. But all I knew in that moment was this thing failed me. But you see, every part is valuable, every piece is needed. I had no idea how important my throttle body was until it didn't work. I didn't even know it existed until it broke. But man, if it could talk, it would let everybody know how important it was now. That's what our arrogance wants to do, wants to let everybody know how important it is. But here's what true gospel humility means. It means stop connecting everything to your experiences and every conversation with yourself. In fact, it means stop talking about yourself. Have you ever been in those conversations where maybe somebody is telling you about their life? Or maybe they ask you, like I went on a road trip and I was talking to somebody. And they go, how was your trip? I go, it was so good. We had such a good time. And then all of a sudden, the conversation went immediately onto them. And they're like, well, I remember when I went on a road trip 30 years ago. Okay. And all I told them was my road trip was good. Now they told me everything about all the road trips they've ever taken in life. I'm like, okay, it's all about you time. Go for it. I thought I just got back on the road trip. So I had to check my pride. That didn't go very well. But I had that conversation. Have you ever had those conversations? It's like all of a sudden, everything revolves around them. That's the ego. So, if that's you, if somebody has ever said that to you, check yourself. Check because I don't want to be that person. Stop connecting every experience and every conversation to you. This means asking people about themselves and listening to them. It means to stop putting yourselves, it means to start putting yourselves in their shoes. Have, Have you ever wanted somebody to live life in your shoes and experience what you're going through for a moment? Have you ever felt that way? And usually that's how it goes. We're like, if they only understood what I understand, if they only knew what I knew, if they only believed what I believe, if they only had the facts that I had, if they only knew this, then they would know that blah, 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 whatever they want to say. And, but that's us forcing them into your shoes. Have you ever tried their shoes on for a second? Because that's what true humility is. When we try to put ourselves in their situation, why are they thinking the way they think? Why do they do the things they do? Why are they acting the way they act? And trying to experience life for them. It's not you going, but I wish people would just experience where I am. That's not what you're supposed to do as a believer. When you give your life to Jesus, this is a different life. It changes everything. What happens is when people actually start living this way, can you see how life could actually get better? When people actually started loving one another and caring for one another and not letting their pride get in the way? Can you see how the world would get better? Can you see how Jesus wasn't trying to ruin lives but make lives better? That's why you'll hear me say, not only does Jesus make your life better, but he makes you better at life. Jesus taught some practical things. They weren't crazy radical. I, I mean, I've done a lot of studies of religions. There's some religions that make you like, like I was... One country, they they actually eat the feces of the cow once it's let out because they believe it will make you holier. I'm sorry. No. No. There's one religion that believes that if you had camel urine poured into your ear, it would allow you to hear God's voice better. No. Thank you. You can ask me questions on what religions those are. I'll tell you later. But Jesus doesn't ask you to do anything weird. When you really look at the things he, he says and the things that are taught, it makes life so much better. See, when we put ourselves, and when we're willing to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes, it can be uncomfortable, but it makes you love. Because here's what true humility, humility is not necessarily thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking about yourself less. We heard that before? Humility is not necessarily thinking less of yourself. That means like, I'm a loser, I'm a da da whatever. It's not that. But it's thinking about yourself less and thinking of others. The only way we can do this is when we realize how much Jesus loves us, how much he saved us from, and how he desires to give us so much more love and grace than we could ever earn or deserve. It is in this grace that we have been given the gifts, these gifts to be able to come alongside and help one another. As Paul continues in this chapter in Romans in verses 6, 7, and 8, Paul talks about these gifts that he's given to the church that we might serve one another, gifts of prophecy, not speaking of the future, but speaking the truth. Have you ever had somebody speak the truth that you really needed to? Here in your life they probably have that gift gift of service people who just God calls them to serve and they just love to serve and help gifts of leadership gifts of mercy gifts of giving I forgot that one last service gifts of teaching there's probably a couple of them because I always forget a few but there's six or seven of them and I forgot that too and I'm rhyming like a rapper But I do a whole series on YouTube. I have a YouTube just breakdown of every single gift. I broke down each and every one. Check it out. We'll send a link this week. You see, God has given us gifts so that we might love one another, so that we might realize that we're all just one part. We're all one piece of the whole. This part by itself will never run my truck. Never. If I just had this, and like, what do you have? I have a Ford Expedition. You do? Where is it? It's right here. That does not look like a Ford Expedition. It is. Well, it's a throttle body to a Ford Expedition. Then you don't have a Ford Expedition. You have a throttle body to a 2017 Ford Expedition. But it probably fits on like a Ford F-152 because it's the same motor. And some of you some of you probably be like, well, you can probably tell me exactly and all that. I really thank you for knowing all that about my car because I don't. But This is one small piece. Each of us are one small piece, and we all need each other. But when one piece isolates itself and makes itself more important and doesn't want to be a part, then you know what? The whole car doesn't work. Because that's what happened to me in Moss Bluff, Louisiana. One piece said, "I don't want to do it anymore." all because my son wanted to eat at Popeyes in Louisiana, because it's Louisiana chicken. And Judah said, I have to. We also ate at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kentucky. I'm pretty sure they taste the same everywhere. But how many of you have eaten Popeye's chicken in Louisiana? My point, exactly. See, here's the thing. Jesus knows that when we are all acting and living the life that we should be living, he wants to further the gospel and further the good news so that others might know that there's hope in this world. This good news is a trust that we can trust in God, not in ourselves. That we can put our faith in him and not pride in ourselves. That we are made righteous in his eyes because of what Jesus did on the cross. That we can now be, have a right relationship, God, not based on anything that we did, but everything Jesus did on, on the cross. It is in this grace that our ego can be reset. Jesus knows that our ego desires to be satisfied just like this balloon, but it could never be satisfied. It just pops and it erupts. Jesus wants to satisfy our lives. He tells us in John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Jesus goes, I know you need peace, and I'm going to give you my peace. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desires. Even in a dry and weary land, he will satisfy you. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply all of your needs all of your needs. As we trust Jesus with our life, we can see ourselves in God's grace and our ego starts to deflate. The more of Jesus that we fill with our lives, the more of Jesus comes out of our lives. Resetting, we, we reset our ego by letting it die and allowing Jesus to live. So what can we do to kill our ego? What are some simple ways? I know some of you, maybe you're like, how do I do this? How do I stop it? How do I stop my ego? I'm going to give you four things, and then I'm going to be done. The worship team is going to come back up. Number one, how do we change or reset our ego? The first is boast in the Lord. Boast in God. Realize who he is and how much he's done. Jeremiah chapter, 20, or chapter 9, verse 23, it says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the riches boast of their riches. Because here's what happens when you boast in your wisdom. Have you ever been stumped? I have. When you boast in your strength, has anything ever been too heavy? Yeah, me too. When you boast in your riches, have you ever lost? Me too. But let the one who boasts, boast about this. That they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight. While some brag about their academic achievements or their physical abilities or the possessions that they have, we are told, boast about God. The second thing, boast in your weakness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he, he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness because God's strength can be seen when we are weak. This reminds me of when I first was teaching my kids how to mow the lawn, and they could not push the lawnmower. It was too heavy, too strong, too, too hard for them. But guess what? I do. I like to come up behind them and push. Then my strength can be seen, but it's seen in my son, my child. And I can boast about him and say, look at what you're doing. You're mowing the lawn. And some might come up and say, no, you're mowing the lawn. And say, no, I'm boasting about my son right now. My son's mowing the lawn, but you're pushing it. It doesn't matter. It's in my strength going through him. That's what God wants to do. He wants to, it's, it's in our weakness that we can be made strong, that Christ's strength can be seen. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my, in my weakness in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we admit, God, I can't, God finally said, but I can. The third thing, boast in the cross of Christ. Galatians 6, 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me, and I in the world boast about the cross. What happens, as I've said so many times, arrogance can meet you at the door of a church. In all the service, and all the serving that we do, we can think we're all that. In the religious acts that we do, and how we follow all these rules, or in the boasting of the good works we do, but the thing is, we're supposed to boast in the Christ, and the work that Jesus did. That's where the boasting is. And the fourth thing, and I think sometimes the hardest thing, is to build each other up. It says 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Be interested in others. The other day, my wife was telling me what she, I, I just, my wife is telling me about something God spoke to her in, in her Bible study. Ladies, if you are in the Monday night or Thursday night ladies Bible study, I just want to encourage you: do the work, do the Bible study. I as as a as a young man, when my wife and I first got married, we were in a fight, and it, I don't even, it was a good one because I think we were both talking very loudly to each other, um, one of those kind, you know. And she's like, what do you want from me? And I said, all I want is I want you to love God more. (laughs) I mean, you fight about dumb things when you're super religious like me. And then this day, this last week, was it Friday? Was it yesterday? I don't know. Thursday. It was Friday. There's this brand new song that came out by this guy named Brandon Lake. I love his music. The song is amazing. It's like healing to the soul. I tell you the title of it, but I can't remember right now. But it's this brand new song. just came out Friday. So I'm wanting to listen to it. My wife goes, hey, can I tell you something real quick? So I press pause in the song. Sure. What? I want to show you, tell you what God showed me. I'm like, okay, hurry up. That's how I felt in my soul. Hurry up, because I've got things to do. I want to talk to God, too, with my song. Honest. I'm not exaggerating. This is where my heart, my arrogance, it was not about building up of my wife. It was about, I want to listen to my song right now. It's about Jeremiah. I wish I I could tell you I'm exaggerating this moment. I'm not. So she tells me, if you wonder why I keep pointing over here, because I'm pointing at my wife. She's all by herself in a pew, totally social distance right now. Um and she is telling me and then I think she's done and so I start playing the music she goes okay I guess I'm done <sighs> That's not building each other up Here's the last and final thing is building each other up it is it is being interested it's listening to each other it's celebrating each other's victories and accomplishments it's when somebody gets that promotion over you and you're still able to say, great job. When somebody gets a better grade than you, you say, great job. for In the pastor world, it's, it's when somebody's church is going better, whatever is happening. And let me tell you, pastors are, they're just as bad as everybody else. When they're like, so how many people do you have? I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's being interested, celebrating their victories being there for each other in their highs and lows, when our focus is turned towards God and others, our ego has no chance to survive. The more we kill it each and every day with praising God and thinking about others, the more like Jesus we become. And our ego is reset to a boasting in the greatness of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are a good God Who loves us, who cares for us, who loves us even when we're nasty, even when we don't deserve it, who loves us in our ugliest moments. And Jesus, I know if anybody's like me, we all need an an ego reset. And Lord, if that's us, God, I, I ask that right now. We'd say, God, reset me. Reset me. Help me realize how much you did on the cross, how much you did to love me. And if that's you, if you realize that Jesus loves you so much, you never realize that he wants to change you from the inside out, that he not only wants to make your life better, but he wants to make you better at life. If that's you, I ask that you pray with me right now. Say, dear God, forgive me. God, reset me from the inside out. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for giving me new life. Jesus, help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.